Now, Yvonne Milne's here. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. How are you today? Excellent. Rearing to go with some stories from Take a Break. Well, absolutely. It's our featured mag of the day today. Now, we don't have the Take a Break girls today. We've got the Insight Girl instead. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I'm here. I'm here. Um, So I've got two stories for you, Jill. So um, I'm just going to read them out straight from the magazine. So this is the most recent Take a Break magazine. And um, this one's Doug's Double Life Double Cross. Uh, Easy for me to say. Now, this is by Samantha Pollard, who's 45, and it's from her point of view. So she says, I I lay back on the sun lounger and slathered lotion over my arms and legs. Beside me, my husband, Doug, said, this is brilliant, isn't it? I let out a contented sigh. I know, I said, I can't believe it's back to reality tomorrow. It was the last day of our holiday in France, and for Doug and me, it had been just what the doctor had ordered. After 22 years and two children together, the shine on our relationship had started to dull. I'd been keen to rekindle the passion we'd once felt, and it had worked. While we've been away, things between us have been red hot and I hope the good feeling will continue back home. But within a matter of days, Doug appeared to be as stressed as ever. I was busy with our sons and we didn't seem to have a moment for each other. And as time went on, I began to notice something else. Whenever I saw Doug, he wasn't alone. He always had his mobile phone glued to his hand and I started to suspect why. But instead of confronting him, I pretended it wasn't happening. A few months later, we were invited to my niece's 30th birthday party and I hoped a weekend without the boys would bring us closer. But as we set off for the hotel, it was clear Doug was in a foul mood. When we arrived, he got straight into bed, even though it was the middle of the afternoon. We're supposed to be saying hello to the other guests, I said. You go, he grunted. I'm shattered. I left him lying there staring at his phone. Later that evening, he joined the party, but when I tried to have a dance with him, he pushed me away and said, shove off. Back in our room, I couldn't hold my tongue any longer. Tell me the truth, I said. I know there's another woman. Don't be stupid, Doug said. Of course there isn't, but I wasn't daft. I knew there was only one reason why a man spent so much time attached to his mobile phone. And when Doug started talking a lot about a woman at work called Sarah, I put two and two together. The next time he mentioned her, I said, you must think I'm an idiot. What do you mean, he asked. Sarah, I said, I know you're having an affair. Doug looked at me for a moment and then burst out laughing. What's so funny, I said. Sarah isn't interested in me, he replied. She's gay. Suddenly I felt very foolish. Oh, I said, I didn't know. Doug's expression clouded. I can't deal with this anymore, Sam, Sam, he said. You're so suspicious, it's driving a wedge between us. I'm sorry, I said, I got it wrong, but he wouldn't listen. It's over. If you don't trust me, there's no future for us, he said, and I was stunned. I begged him to reconsider, but he was adamant, and that afternoon we sat down with our kids and told them we were splitting up. I'll be living here for a month, Doug said, then I'm moving out. The boys sat in silence. Then Doug said something that made my mouth flap open. Anyway, he went on, there might be another baby in the family soon. I turned on him and said, what do you mean? He said, I'm just saying we might both get new partners who have their own children. I couldn't believe what was coming out of his mouth. The next few weeks were a nightmare as Doug and I continued to live in the same house and share a bed, not that I could sleep. I was racked with guilt, convinced that my paranoia had torn our family apart. After all, if it hadn't been for my foolish suspicions, Doug wouldn't have been moving out. A month later, he packed his things. Sarah had offered to put him up for a while and I helped him move in. I wasn't being kind, I just wanted to meet her to see for myself if they really were just good friends. She greeted me at the door and said, Sam, it's lovely to meet you. Then she popped the kettle on and we sat down to talk. As soon as we began chatting, I realised Doug had been telling the truth. It was obvious there was nothing going on between them. And before I left, he said, look, there's still a chance we could make it work. I just need some time. 
I went home and with my head in a whirl and part of me was annoyed with myself for jumping to the wrong conclusion and pushing Doug away. But another part felt hopeful. Now I knew he wasn't having an affair and he had definitely closed the door on our marriage. Perhaps there was a way back for us. But one afternoon months later, I was on Facebook when I spotted something strange. The husband of one of Doug's colleagues had written a post on Doug's timeline. It read, Douglas Pollard, you, are, you have taken my wife. Other people had started writing comments beneath the post and someone had given Doug's address as my house. So I wrote, Doug doesn't live here anymore. A moment later, up popped a message. Who are you? It was from James, the man who had accused Doug. I replied, I'm his wife. And James messaged me again, asking for my phone number. I gave it to him and a minute later, he rang me. Doug's not here, I said. He's staying with Sarah. And he said, you don't know, do you? And I said, well, know what? Doug isn't living with Sarah, he said. He's living with my wife, Deborah. There was a pause and I could sense there was something else. And, James continued, she's eight months pregnant with his baby. I felt as though I had been punched in the stomach. A baby, I said. Doug hadn't breathed a word about it. He'd even made me think there was a possibility we could get back together. But I did some sums in my head and I realised that he must have been seeing Deborah well before he left me. In fact, their baby must have been conceived around the time of my niece's party. I couldn't take it all in. I needed to know more, so I arranged to meet James the following day. He looked as shell-shocked as I felt. Deborah told Doug about the baby before Christmas, he said. He's been living with her for months. It's unbelievable, I said. I had no idea. But gradually my shock began to subside. Instead, I remembered Doug's strange comment about babies coming into the family and I started to feel furious. I picked up the phone, tapped in a number and said, I hear congratulations are, order, are in order. What do you mean, Doug said? Don't try to deny it. I know about Deborah and the baby. Listen, he began, I've been meaning to tell you, but I was in no mood for any more lies. Save it, I shouted, and I hung up. I felt devastated, but as time passed, I started to feel relieved. Doug had let me believe it was me who destroyed our marriage, but although I'd got the wrong woman, I was right about one thing. He'd been cheating and he'd been lying about it for months. I haven't spoken to Doug since our phone call and I don't plan to, but I've heard through a friend that Deborah has had the baby and they're in playing happy families. If Doug had told me about Deborah right away, perhaps we could have split up amicably, but it strung me along for so long and that's unforgivable. I deserve better than that. Oh, and so she does. So she does. That's just horrible, isn't it? You know, take a break, always, you know, have these love rat stories. And it just makes you think, you know, there's so many rotters out there. There's so many good people out there as well. But, you know, what a shame that, that you know, she had to find out through Facebook. I, think, I know, what a dreadful way to find out that. And, you know, you're right. You know, if if he had just been honest with her, maybe it wouldn't have been great. They would have had to split up, but they would all have, they could have been friends eventually after all of this. But no, not not uh, not anymore from the sounds of it. So it's always so difficult when children are involved as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Very, absolutely. Very and how do you trust again? That's why I was saying, how do you trust again? Oh, it's very difficult, very very difficult for her. Well, listen, let's hope she meets the man of her dreams. Yes, yeah. um, and the the in some kind of horrible, strange way, it's it's kind of been worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, let's. Move on to our next story then from Take a Break magazine. Yeah, now this is called uh, Crikey, What a Handful. And um, this is all about uh, a younger woman falling in love with an, an older man. So this might um, restore your faith a little bit in, in humanity, this one. Oh, OK. OK, <laughs> so um, this is Caroline Harris. OK, and she says, as my gran handed me a cup of tea, I could see that she had something to say. She sat down and folded her hands in her lap. Here it comes, I thought. 
What you need, Caroline, she said, is a nice man to look after you. Oh, Gran, I said. I was a single mum with a nine-month-old son, Stephen, and a new man was the very last thing I needed. But Gran was in full flow. I've been thinking, she said, what about Arthur? He's so kind and he loves children. I almost choked to my tea. Arthur Harris was Gran's next-door neighbour. It was true he was lovely, but he had five children from two marriages, and at 56, he was also 33 years older than me. But Gran, I said, Arthur is old enough to be my dad. Gran wafted a hand at me and said, what does it matter? He's just right for you, I know it. And after that, whenever I popped round to Gran's, Arthur was there. I know what you're doing, Gran, I told her, but the more time I spent with Arthur, the more I liked him. He was polite and he always asked how I was. He was also a natural with Stephen, my son. I thought he looked distinguished rather than old and his greying hair and smart clothes and he was far more interesting than men my own age. So when he asked me out, I agreed. We went to a country pub and we just clicked. I'd never dated an older man before, but there was something about Arthur that I took to. We started seeing each other regularly and Graham was delighted. I told you so, she said. And then three months after we started dating, Arthur and I went on holiday to a caravan park. And there on stage in front of 200 people, he said, Caroline, I love you. Will you marry me? I will, I said. It was the best day of my life. However, not everyone was thrilled for us. I was 23 and some of my friends said I was mad to fall for a man so much older. One told me, you're making a mistake, Caroline. You'll have nothing in common. It won't last. And another said, what about babies? He'll be too old. Arthur's grown-up children were concerned too, but Arthur and I didn't doubt our decision for a second. Age is just a number, he said, and we got married the day before Arthur's 58th birthday and I felt like the happiest girl alive. Then a few months later, we had some more wonderful news. When word spread, Arthur's friends teased him and said, bet you thought nappy changes and sleepless nights were behind you. But Arthur was all for it. He said, I can't wait to be a dad again. In time, I gave birth to a son and we named him Aaron. Arthur stepped up to the challenge of having a new baby with ease. The night feeds weren't a problem either. Whenever Aaron cried, Arthur would spring out of bed and dash to him. Two years passed and I fell pregnant again. Some people raised their eyebrows, but I knew we could do it. Arthur was 61 when our son Ben was born and he was brilliant once again. And soon after we found out I was having twins. Sadly, there were complications. And at 19 weeks, I lost one of the babies, a little boy we named Charlie. But our other twin clung on and at 25 weeks, Alex was born, weighing just over a pound. Arthur ran things at home while I stayed in hospital until Alex was strong enough to come home and then the fun really started. With four children under the age of seven, life was hectic but Arthur loved it. Whenever I was flagging, I'd look at him, whizzing around like a hurricane in a jumper and slacks and I'd think, if he can cope, so can I. And then when Arthur was turned 63, I made another discovery. I'm pregnant again, I said, and it's twins. Can you believe it? Um, I can't believe it, Arthur said. I feel as though I've won the lottery. And when our girls, Katie and Emily, were born, he was overjoyed. He loved pushing our quadruple buggy down the street. And sometimes people stopped him to peer at babies and say, at the babies and say, what lovely grandchildren you have. Arthur would just smile. He's always been good with his hands. And when the kids got older, he built them a go-kart. They'd take it to the park and they'd squeal with delight as he pretended to let go of the string. Arthur was an old age pensioner, but he had 10 times my energy. He loved spending time with all the children. And so when Katie and Emily were a year old, he made a decision. He said, I'm going to retire. I don't want to miss a moment with the children. Money was tight with all of us surviving on Arthur's pension, but he, we didn't let it bother us. Instead, we cherished every moment we spent together. After all, Arthur said, at my age, you don't know how many more you'll get. Don't be silly, I told him. There's plenty more years left in you. But then something happened to throw us both. Arthur fell ill. He went to the doctor who referred him for tests and finally he, we saw a consultant. He told Arthur that you have non-Hodgkin lymphoma and it was a form of cancer. 
We were both shocked, but Arthur told me, I'm going to beat this. I need to be here for you and the kids. You will be, I replied, if you can cope with sick kid, six kids in your 60s, you can cope with anything life throws at you. He began a course of chemotherapy and radiation treatment. It was gruelling, but two years on, there was good news. The cancer was in remission. In time, Arthur bounced back to his old self, bust, bustling around our home in Devon, and soon we had a special anniversary to celebrate 15 years since our wedding day. I said to Arthur, I've never once regretted it, nor me, he replied. I think we can safely say we've proved the doubt is wrong. We certainly have. People thought that I was crazy to fall for a man 33 years older than me, but Graham was right all along. She said Arthur was the perfect man for me, and he is. And they've got a little bit from Arthur here as well, uh, Jill. Um, they've got um, Arthur saying, you never thought you'd be lucky enough to have more children, but being a stepfather to Caroline's son made him realise that I wanted to be uh, there for them. And as an older dad, I'm calmer, more relaxed and more confident. I may be 73, but I feel 23 because my kids keep me young. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you know, that does restore your faith in humanity, yeah. doesn't it? I suppose there, there would be a lot of doubters. I mean, initially, I didn't think this story was going to go this way. <laughs> I, I agree. Yes. yes. He certainly got a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly does. He certainly does. I mean, that's the thing. Is, is, and I know myself, and I'm in my 40s now, my energy is not what it was even 10 years ago. So, you know, to have that many young children under the age of 10... Fair play to him, really. You know, good for good for him. Listen, I can. I'm I'm just approaching forty, and I can barely cope with a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. What is going on with us? We need to be taking our vitamins, I I think. (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. But listen, it's a great story, and thank you so much for taking it through us, uh, taking us through it uh, so beautifully, Yvonne. And uh, obviously, if you want to get the current issue of Take a Break magazine, it is out now. So uh, please do go out and get it. But if you can't and you want to take a look online. They have a fully accessible website. It's takeabreak.co.uk.